Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 7th of November 2012. Newcomers, as always, I tell you at the beginning to, uh, of every broadcast, rather than pester you all the way through, but I just get out at the beginning and tell you to make use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com because there's a lot of information for download there for free. Lots of audios and transcripts as well, uh, and all the, the sites as you listed there. You find transcripts in other languages for print up if you go into Alan Watt sent in sentinel.eu. But remember too, you are the audience that bring me to you because I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I don't, you run this like a big business like mainstream and, um, uh, it's the only way really to keep yourself sane and uh, honest as well as by doing it this way that I'm doing it here because otherwise you're into show business and show business has its own priorities. So if you want to support me and keep things going, you can do so by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and donating as well and uh, hopefully I can go for a little while longer too. And what I do is go through the history of the big system you're living in today, go through the histories from the 1800s onwards, even before that, of course, to, to show you how that nothing happens by chance. You don't end up 100 years later down the way on a design path, uh, proving that it's a design path without the, the, the documents that come out and the books by the big boys themselves who planned this very system, including those who planned the cultural takedown to destroy family units, community units, replace it all with government agencies and so on. It's all happened. It was all planned that way. We're right there today as the end of the old system as you know it as we go into a new system. Not pleasant, more Soviet than anything else. And it's right in your face if you care to look around you. So as I say, from the U.S. to Canada, if you want to buy the books and discs or donate, you can uh, use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office. You can send cash or you can use PayPal. And you can find out how to do it at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram and PayPal once again. And straight donations are awfully, as I say, awfully welcome because I don't make any money whatsoever on advertising or selling other products for other peoples and so on. I've no shares in companies, etc. But as I say, most folk will never get their head around it. They think they're just evolving somehow. And they really do believe, as they're taught to believe, of course, that things are just happening in their lifetime out of the blue, like bolts of thunder or something. And we have to change direction when these bolts come out, never realizing that everything that happens was planned along many, many years before the major events happened, including all of the wars we're going through today. Were planned years before they even went into Afghanistan. All of them were planned. Even the list of countries they wanted to take out was published in the, in the early 90s and then again in the late 90s. And we're, we're going through it today. So that's the kind of world you're living in. It's a planned society for a global society. Not a nice happy place where we're all smiling at all the ads that come out of the United Nations. Uh, on the contrary, you'll be under the total <laughs> control 
of bureaucrats from birth to death, all through your life traced from beginning to end, even brought in for readjustment, of course, now and then. I've read the articles from Scotland that's got the EU working with them, the European Union, and little, they're already there with, with tracking the children, uh, examining them from, from babies to see if they're psychologically fit, etc. And then they'll have their indoctrination and corrections along their lives to make sure that they're the perfect dumb citizen that, that to serve the establishment. The whole world is to become like this, by the way. And you've got lots of idiots supporting the system because they truly, truly believe in, in communism at the bottom level. Uh, the family unit is pretty well destroyed. You've got over about 46% of the public in most countries now are getting money from the government in some way or another. You know, single mums or, or, or people who are working part-time. It's that bad. So they brought on the only thing they can vote for, which is a form of communism. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and I've talked so many times about the farce of voting and the fact that everything's planned in advance and that all the top leaders of all parties belong to the same group, the private organization, the Council on Foreign Relations, as it's known in the US and it's called the Royal Institute for International Affairs in Britain and even have one for the whole of Europe as well. They've got them across the whole planet now and their own historian quickly talks about that, that for a hundred years every present prime minister across the so-called civilized world was a member of this organization already dedicated to this world agenda, this plan of managing the big herds of the people uh, across the world and profiting from them at the same time. That's what herds are for, of course, to profit from, not to take care of like pets. And uh, the people down below forget that at times. They end up voting for them. But uh, I kind of laugh at the U.S. votes because... There's always a lot of scams go on, and they're kind of comical in some way. And, and of course, one of the favourite ones is, is ones who are already dead, who are still apparently turning up to vote. And uh, it's quite quite a joke because the U.S. has a good history of that. There's good entertainment in the U.S. Look at the hundred years ago and so on, and politicians would take people in, in little towns and get them all drunk and pay for it all as long as they voted for them. And uh, at least they got something out of it, right? Today you don't get much. But anyway, it says dead and still voting. It says thousands of dead Californians remain eligible to vote. In the NBC area, Bay Area used the, the Social Security Administration's death master file to cross-reference with the California state voter rolls using name, date, birth, and similar zip codes to find matches. We found over 25,000 people in a report that Stephen Stock originally aired at 11 p.m. November the 5th. And it says that... Um, that discovery prompted several states and barrier election officials, officials to re-examine their records after the investigation brought the issue to light, it says. So they found all these different people, 25,000, before they stopped counting, in fact, 25,000 uh, that apparently came out of the grave to, to vote. And it's, it's quite comical in the sense that they're back in that zombie thing that's all prevalent today. Maybe the ones who vote anyway are all them. I mean, who knows? Eh? Who knows how it really works? Who cares? Because it's all preordained by boys above them. And this article too, see we're living in a new Soviet system. This was the whole idea that Aldous Huxley and Julian Huxley, his brother, talked about. Remember, Julian worked at UNESCO for the United Nations 
And Julian even said, we'll make the people hypersexualized, get the children just uh, rutting like rabbits. He says, they'll never bond for life into the family unit. Then the state takes care and, and becomes the big daddy. That's how it becomes in these big systems. And that's been awfully successful. Whereas Aldous Huxley talked about the system they bring in, how they bring it in. And of course, I, I put up, I think it was the first one they put up their, their, the documentary of the tape from Berkeley where he discusses to a peer group naturally. These were great guys when you went to government and work in all these different agencies. And he's quite candid about it that all these things can be done and are actually underway at that time uh, to bring in this world system. So there's nothing new under the sun. But, uh, of course, there'll be a lot of problems as they bring in the big system because um, you'll find those at the top are not just incompetent. Uh, that's definitely part of it. Uh, but you see, most of it's patronage. The people who help the system get kicked up the ladder and have no idea how to handle things and manage things. Just like the Soviet Union, you see, you find the same thing. Uh, that's how it was run too. Very, very corrupt and uh, inadequate too. This is Brussels bureaucrats. This is the Soviet Union of Brussels for the EU. Wasted billions of pounds through fraud and blunders last year, the EU's own auditors revealed last night. Every year this comes out. I can remember reading last year's. So official EU spending watchdogs raised questions over colossal 89 billion pounds of spending during 2011. And for the 18th year in a row, they refused to sign off the EU's annual accounts. The damning verdict brought to a new fury at the soaring EU budget and added to the pressure on David Cameron to block a further massive hike. He faces tense talks with German Chancellor Angela Merkel today over the rising bill for Brussels ahead of a crunch summit on the issue later this month. Actually, it's working the way it's supposed to go because we're using the power of the purse and debt and we're all in it together to save ourselves as we all go down to, to further amalgamate them and literally do away with any personal remnant of sovereignty of any single little country. That's the whole purpose of that. And I'm not making this up. They've actually said this before in previous articles, and I've read them on the air. So it's amazing that, that everything's going full steam ahead as it's supposed to go. But, yeah, $89 billion, uh, pounds, sorry, just wasted again. No, I don't know where it went. Uh, lots of holidays, of course, for Rompuy and all these guys. But uh, that's the Soviet system, folks. And uh, uh, these are the guys who spend your tax money like you wouldn't believe. As they tell you to live in austerity. And you haven't had austerity yet in the West. You're working up slowly towards it. But look at Greece. They just cut back their pensions about 18% again. And more riots coming there. They've already prepared for it in the West under the guise of homeland security and anti-terrorism. It's all to do with the big coming collapses because they're going to bring it on. And lots of folk won't like it going into this kind of austerity, you see. Now, also a part of this too is getting the people. I read an article, article years ago back in the 90s about from the United Nations to do with the coastal regions. They didn't want folk living on the coastal areas. Uh, in the Western world, they want them off of there and inland into their big uh, overcrowded cities and land. And this is part of the deals too with hyping up the nonsense to do with a hurricane coming in like it never happened before and, uh, and really playing it up and also stopping in all the aid that was coming in to, to get the electricity working within two or three days by the juke trucks that were sent in, hundreds of them, and they weren't allowed to get in to, to fix it up because, you see, they want to play it up as long as they can as a big, big catastrophic emergency. Even the CFR is playing on it too. Oh, we've got to make the public believe this is global warming that's causing this. 
even though, as I mentioned last night, in the 1800s, in one year there was about seven hurricanes hit it. So anyway, they're getting used to movement. And I said when 9-11 happened, everything that happens in warfare will be done. You'll see rationing down the road. You'll see... Um, and that means also people like like um, refugees moving on the streets from one place to the next as they move you around. That's all a big part of it too. Because they want this to happen to get you into these overcrowded cities as they manage your deaths, as they take you down over the years to the magic year 2050, when supposedly most of us are all just going to pop off dead. And the present bunch of, of TV rutters, I suppose call them rutters today because that's all TV is, is about rutting. Uh, they'll have no offspring anyway, so they'll all be gone, and they'll get what they want. But in the meantime, they've got to manage the, the chaos. State of New Jersey awards Radiant, this is a company, RFID, a five-year emergency management solution contract. And it says, they announced today that the state of New Jersey has awarded the company a five-year contract to assist evacuation and emergency tracking during catastrophic events. Radiant will provide the Office of Homeland Security and Preparedness Seizure Public-Private Partnership deals, you see, with, with a managed ev- evacuation solution that tracks evacuees, your pets, emergency transport vehicles and commodities deployed at state shelters in preparation uh, for and in the event of a hurricane, a natural disaster, or, this is a big one, other incident, to assist in reunification of families. Everybody should be tagged. In addition, Radiant will manage hardware components, deployment processes, and training, as well as all maintenance and management functions in support of the state of New Jersey. Utilizing the latest and passive RFID technology, Radiant's emergency management solution is the only RFID-based solution designed to assist emergency management teams with large-scale evacuations by making the continuous movement of people, pets, and asses easy to track without repeatedly stopping people to take their name or scan a barcode. The seamless tracking helps eliminate lines, reduce redundancy, and keep families together in times of emergency. Along with 8.8 million residents of New Jersey, Radiant FID solution covers the state of Texas, state of South Carolina, and state and city of Boston, approximately 18% of the United States population. Then they go on to tell you about Radiant's asset tracking, people tracking, emergency management, etc., etc. I'll put this up tonight. Now, they'll have this across the whole country, of course, under other contracts they've made that haven't been made public yet. But there you go, folks. It's all, everything that I'd said years ago would happen, it's all here. And also, out snuck a little bit to do with your carbon taxes. You understand we're global, and the U.S. still hasn't got a value-added tax, which must come to be global, you see, because that was the CFR's mandate. They drafted up all these ideas, carbon taxes, value-added taxes, and so on. Even your income tax came from the Council on Foreign Relations members when they were in Congress. They put that bill forward to tax you and your property tax ones too. They're very proud on taxing people. But it says here, Obama, Obama may levy carbon tax to cut the U.S. deficit. Well, it's got nothing to do with the U.S. deficit because, as you know, the carbon tax is to go abroad. First to the private uh, Rothschilds family bank in Switzerland, and then they'll hold it overnight, make billions off it from across the world, and then pass it on to the United Nations and elsewhere afterwards. So a carbon tax starting at $20 a tonne of carbon dioxide equivalent and rising to about 6% a year per year, because it rise 6% a year, right? As soon as you get on the books, it's rising already. 
and could raise 154 billion by 2021. Nick Robbins, an analyst at the Bank of London, said today in an emailed research note citing Congressional Research Services estimates. Applied to the Congressional Budget Office 2012 baseline, this would have the fiscal deficit by 2022 at half it, it said here, so they claim, but we'll never, not a penny will go to the deficit, as you well know. And also this one here, I've mentioned this one before and no one's really commented on it, but there's such a term as institutionalization of terminology. And this is where you get your terms to use, like homophobia, which is really fear of homosexuals, which is nonsense, you see. But you understand, if you read the, uh, the, the Stratford School, and if you read the, the different schools that came out, mentioned last night, well, I'll, I'll touch on this when we came back, because it's awfully important, the terminology that you're given to use. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, carrying through the matrix, talking about terminology. Because everything you read now is PC terminology, and it's specifically designed by think tanks. And uh, I've mentioned before about the Frankfurt School, how they would bring forth terminology for particular movements they wanted to push. And once you get the public parroting it, then it's institutionalized into the vocabulary, you see. And I've got articles from the United Nations, too, talking about how they must institutionalize the term global warming into all discussions and all educational topics and so on. Institutionalized repetition, repetition, repetition. And you get this sort of thing going on. Bill Ayers, too, of Myers of the, of the, Ayers was actually, of the Weather Underground, came up with the same idea because he worked with the, with, with the Frankfurt School and other schools to the Macy Group, etc., to do with bringing world communism and how terminology will change the world. Remember that, that also Lenin said the same thing, that slogans will conquer the world. And it's particular, particular slogans that are worked out to do some, a number on your brain because you, you really don't know what you're saying. And um, or often it has an opposite meaning to what you think it has. But anyway, they're establishing the White House Homeland Security Partnership Council. They're institutionalizing this system throughout the whole country. And it's an executive order, remember, came out in October. And it says here that um, it gives you the section one in the policy, the purpose of the order is to maximize the federal government's ability to develop local partnerships in the United States to support homeland security priorities. That's schools, that's everything. It's also a system of spying, you understand, and taking note of people who are thinking in a different direction. Partnerships are collaborative working relationships in which the goals, structure, and roles and responsibilities of the relationships are mutually determined. Collaboration enables the federal government and its partners to use resources more efficiently, build on one another's expertise, drive innovation, which is their change, the desire change, engage on collective action, broaden investments to achieve shared goals and improve performance. Partnerships enhance our ability to address homeland security priorities from responding to natural disasters to preventing terrorism by utilizing diverse perspectives, skills, tools, and resources. So that's to say that schools, businesses, and everything, you eventually need to get a job. You'll have to go through a massive screening to find out if you're PC and all for all of the stuff or if you have thoughts of your own. If you've got thoughts of your own, forget the job. 
because it's going to be institutionalized into everything across the board. Massive network of spying, folks. And, and it's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. So I'll put that up again tonight and, um, folk who want to look over the, this executive, uh, bill can do so. Also, two, Australia is going through at the same con every other country's gone through years ago, where they're, they're denationalizing the public utilities of electricity to make it cheaper, you understand, for the profit organizations that end up running it. And I'll put some links up tonight on that too. But uh, again, getting back to Quigley, he says, I'm a new feudal system. At the very top of this running the whole system, the structure would be a feudal system, private uh, corporations with their CEOs being the feudal overlords and, and basically gouging all the, the cattle down below for as much as you can get off of them. And it's also a great tool for making you obey, etc., and to go along with the system. We've got it. Do you want it? Well, obey, and that's it. I'll put that up night too. And also power firms are gouging the public and paying more for less electricity. It says um, electricity prices have skyrocketed despite consumers using less electricity, while power companies have made bigger profits and paid larger dividends to the state government. And that's from Australia as well. I'll put that tonight as well to show you how. Of course, this is always going to be the same with water. Everything else goes way up when you put it for for-profit organizations because... And how dare they, too, uh, use public utilities? And if it belongs to the public, the public should have the say in what happens. The public themselves, not these little councillors or anybody else. It should be the public themselves, because they and the, their parents and grandparents before them paid for this setting up of all this infrastructure and getting it all working. And then these, these bums go and hand them off to to the private corporations, end up gouging like crazy. But that's the system you're in. Communists below with massive bureaucracies and agencies dealing with you right through your life and all your children. And then the fascist ones atop them, you see, that was always designed that way. And this one here, too, has to do with uh, going back to some of the weather uh, modifications programs that were done from the 60s onwards, actually even the 50s. I'll put this up tonight, too, to show you how long it's been going on. At that time, too, they were, they were doing smaller uh, experimentation, of course, uh, on different countries for weather modification, but they're also using international organizations to help do this, too, across the world. Even during the Cold War, they worked with Russia, the supposed arch enemy, on weather modification because it was just a big con game, as I say, the whole Cold War fiasco. But this one here is this 1966 U.S. government document outlines national weather modification programs and implications. And uh, says it outlines in great detail the existence of expanding U.S. weather modification programs for at least a decade prior to the document in question. Back to at least to 1956, a special commission has outlined in document to coordinate the multiple governmental agencies involved with U.S. weather modification programs, as well as independent contractors and universities, which the report also mentions. It covers the management of international impacts, legal and social ramifications, species disruptions, because they know they're going to kill off species like the birds and all that, biological consequences to us, uh, and, and so on. So I'll put this one up tonight as well. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And the boys at the top, too, this massive business of organ transplantation uh, is a huge business, remember, massive business. And I can remember over the years how they changed things from clinical death and then to brain death so you can actually take your organs out while you're still alive, uh, which is the way they do it today now. And um, that which means technically they kill the, the person regardless. Once that heart stops altogether, they kill them. Um, to get the organs. Big, big bucks involved, of course. But, uh, and of course, it's all for good causes. Everything, you know, the, 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 you know, the most horrible things that happen in the world are always done for a good cause. Even when, when DARPA came out with the chip for the paraplegic, you know, DARPA is in, in weapons manufacturing and finding ways to kill big amounts of people. And they go into helping a paraplegic with a chip to see if he could email people without having to touch any keys and so on. But the same thing with organ uh, and harvesting. Now remember, it's worldwide now. Yeah, in other words, too, they can take organs from one country and get them to another because of new techniques of keeping it uh, alive pretty well, that organ, uh, literally alive by keeping it at room temperature, body temperature, rather than freezing them. And they had a, a meeting uh, just a few months ago about that in the States showing that the guys how to do it. And uh, they can pump blood through it on its way. And, uh, and then straight into the, the donor on the other side of the, of the world if need be. So the rich folk are getting it all at the very, very top. But what gets me too is why are there so many folk needing organs today? Why is this? What's happened? Was, what, what are we ingesting or whatever that's killing off organs in the body like this? I'd like to know. But this one here says, a new survey from Alberta researchers is recommending cash incentives for organs to encourage more people to sign donor cards. The Calgary Dr. Braden Manns of the Libin Cardiovascular Institute of Alberta co-authored a study that found paying donors could increase donation rates. Under the current opt-in organ donation system in Canada, many people die waiting for a transplant. According to Transport Manitoba, there are about 200 people in, in the province on dialysis waiting for kidney transplants. Some of those patients will not survive the waits. Somewhere around 20% of people on the wait list for certain organs um, are dying, dying, dying. Despite donation education campaigns and occasional celebrity endorsement, we're supposed to follow celebrities, right? Not enough organs are being donated to fill the need. So he recommends paying donors to fill the need. Man's study surveyed more than 2,500 members of the public health professionals and people waiting for transplants, found that 70% of respondents would support paying deceased donors' families for organs. So paying off the families. Uh, you know, when you get them and they're really down the whole bit, and they actually fly teams and they try to convince the families, oh, you know, this could help somebody else live. Uh, now they might try to bribe them as well. It's just disgusting to me, the whole business of it. Because it's a massive, massive business for surgeons. You see some of the wages some of them get for this kind of stuff. In fact, you're terrified to go to hospital now because they're kind of looking you up and down. Is, is a guy going to help me or is he going to kill me and sell my organs off? I mean, you get more money for doing the latter, right? So I'll put this link up tonight too to show you how they go on for it too. But that's, he also talked about Arthur Schaefer, who's an ethicist. You know, you have these special people who are called ethicists. They're, they're ethical about things. Nobody else is ethical. They're just naturally ethical. And uh, who works with the Center for Professional and Applied Ethics. The payment for organs, idea, Schaefer said, is, is troubling, he says. 
Frankly, I think it would be bordering on obscene to offer financial compensation to the mother whose child has just died, said Schaefer. I think there are substantial ethical concerns. So I guess you need a professional ethicist to tell you something that we all should really know for ourselves anyway, you see. But this is what they're trying there. And then in, in Wales, they're trying the same thing too. All over the world are trying the same thing because they say they can take your organs all over the planet nowadays. Uh, there's actually, as we well know, underground methods of doing this too, and the organs will go at the highest bidder. That's also a big racket. But this says that here that... Um, the Welsh government's proposing a new law that will make everyone an automatic organ donor unless they officially opt out. That's when you go into hospital. I think Ontario tried that as well. Religious groups in the country, including Jewish, are voicing their objections. says, we believe that people should be able, or the family of the deceased should be able, to agree to organs being taken as a gift, as a donation. I would have preferred that there would not have been a bill, a law, said Stanley Sofash, chairman of the South Wales Jewish Representative Council, according to the BBC. Currently in Wales, specialist nurses approach families of potential donors, even if they're not listed in the donor registry. Of those, about 60% agree to donate their organs or the organs of a loved one. The Welsh Government hopes to increase this figure with the new law by 15 extra donors and about 45 more organs for transplant throughout the UK every year. Hmm. So, as I say, number one, why do so many folk need organs in this day and age? Is it the foods that we're eating with all the pesticides? It kills off your kidneys and everything else. What is it? We should know that right off the bat. What is it? What's causing it all? And how much are they making on these transplants as well? The surgeons and the hospitals too. How much are they making on this too? Because I know in the States there's fantastic amounts of money to spend there for heart transplants and things like that. Not only that too, when they go for the body, it isn't just the, they'll tell you it's for so-and-so and somewhere who needs a kidney, but they'll strip that whole body of everything they can possibly use or sell. It's so ghoulish or ghoulish. It's just beyond belief. But that's the world you're in now. Atheist, an atheistic world is purely materialistic. And so, so Karl Marx has got his way. We're into dialectic materialism. And in Moscow, uh, Vladimir Putin fired Russia's defense minister over corruption allegations on Tuesday. The latest twist and unfolding saga of power, money, and suspected adultery at the heart of the Kremlin. It sounds like a movie. It says Putin announced on television that he fired Anatoly Sergeyev, once seen as one of the president's most loyal courtiers, but lately a liability amid allegations that the military sold off assets cheaply to insiders. Well, again, too, all of these ex-communist countries and the new communist countries like the EU, European Union, are massively corrupt, massively corrupt. It's interesting, too, that some people, even journalists who lived in the Soviet Union and studied the, the atheistic system that came in where government takes over all control of everything and everything's papers and forms they fill out, etc. They said that the worst countries that they'd ever seen for corruption were those that had no remnant of even a religious uh, society, like, like we, normal moralities all came from religions. When there's none left, it's utterly corrupt. That's what you've got. And you'll find that too if you look at China, and you'll find that too um, even in India, because with their religious, hundreds of religions there, you can uh, you know, always rationalize anything that you do. But you'll find that we're mainly in countries that have never had it, or like, the, let's say, the EU, which is the new, really the new Soviet system. It definitely is the new Soviet system. 
Now, the federal government, too, uh, if the U.S. is going to spend $40 billion a month on buying bonds. And so the Federal Reserve Bank Chairman Ben Bernanke says the idea is to quicken the recovery by buying the bonds of debt. <laughs> Quite something. So they unleashed a series of bond and open-ended steps Thursday to stimulate the economy by making it cheaper for consumers and businesses to borrow and spend. The Fed said it will spend $40 billion a month to buy mortgage bonds for as long as it deems necessary to make home buying more affordable. Why buy a home today? They'll crash you again and loot you once again, you know. Because the system's just the same system. It plans to keep short-term interest rates at record lows through to mid-2015, six months longer than previously planned. It's already to take another unconventional step if the government growth doesn't pick up. I wonder where that'll be. Maybe we could send it to sell the Fed off to China. Everything else is. And it says here, now I mentioned last night uh, about um, the guys who want to kill you off, you know. And one of them was to do with population reduction and the 22 shocking population control quotes from the global elite that will make you want to lose your lunch. Now, these guys are dead serious about this. And again, most folk who watch TV and, haha, and the movies and comedies will never get it. They're, they're not in reality, never will be. But when you look at the different articles that the, the published and quotes and statements that the big powerful folk have made, it's just astonishing. And they've actually fulfilled most of it already, you know. It says here, um, a program, this is Barack Obama's top science advisor, this John P. Holdren, that really is a fanatic, and he's still in power now that they're in again. A program of sterilizing women after their second or third child, despite the relatively greater difficulty of the operation than vasectomy, might be easier to implement than trying to sterilize men. The development of a long-term sterilizing capsule, listen to this. The development of a long-term sterilizing capsule that could be impl- uh, implanted under the skin and removed when pregnant pregnancy is desired opens additional possibilities for coercive, coercive fertility control. The capsule could be implanted at puberty and might be removable with official permission for a limited number of births. Now, that was said years ago by... They've been on work. See, these guys are working on it, or the guys that they represent are working on this. Because then you read this article today. Girls of 13 are given birth control jab at school without parents' knowledge. This is the very thing he was talking about. Schoolgirls as young as 13 have been given contraceptive injections and implants, exactly what we just read, during lunch breaks without their parents' knowledge. And it says, school nurses have given implants or jabs to girls between 13 years of age and 16 more than 900 times in the past two years in England. Uh, A survey by the Daily Telegraph found uh, girls aged 13 have been given the contraceptive jabs and implants on more than 20 occasions. A further 7,400 girls aged 15 and under have been given the contraceptive injections or implants at family planning clinics. clinics. Under the patient uh, confidentiality rules, nurses are banned from seeking the permission of parents beforehand. They're banned from seeking permission of parents. Remember the rights of the child? You end up reading it, the parents end up having no rights at all. If you've ever bored reading it, the parents have no rights. This was all, this was all for this, you see. Or even informing them afterwards without the, pe- the people's permission. 
Anthony Seldon, the master of Wellington College, said, I think that sexual intercourse is the very highest and most mature spiritual relationship that can exist between two human beings. Anything that trivializes or treats it as something mundane or easy, particularly for young people, is damaging their ability to grow up and to properly form a loving, lasting relationship. Exactly what the big boys said. They want to destroy the bonding part and separate that from the physical act. They said that 60 years ago has happened. Anyway, the man says that the value of sex, it makes it like an ordinary, everyday thing, like going to have a McDonald's, and isn't that just true? So there you are, you have Holdren talking about developing something like this and giving it to children without the parents' permission, and bingo, there's the article where it's actually happened. So you think it's all developing by itself, just out like magic. <laughs> this doesn't, no, this is all planned, folks. It's all planned. Really, all, all of it planned. Just amazing. And here you are. It's governments are considering two-child policy for the West after China. Remember, two China was the first one to, to implement the, the one-child policy. And you find that um, people have been objecting to that. And, it's a, uh, and some, even recently, some actors went over and spoke out against China. It says, as actors and activists in the West speak out against China's one-child policy, politicians moved to introduce the same policies in the North and the West. On October 27th, actor Christian Bale presented a human rights award to Chinese pro-life activist Chen Chung-chen when his decade-long fight against China's one-child policy this is praising Chen as an example of courage for his fight against a program of forced abortion and sterilization in Shandong. Bale went on to decry the, the centralist Chinese government, naming some of the policies that flow from its one-child policy. This is a, a program of forced abortion means that women are being dragged, literally, from their homes against their will, Bale said. They're being forced to have abortions, sometimes late term. Imagine that, with some women reportedly dying in the process. But it's for the greater good, you know. In a report from Movie Guide, it says Bale, who was portrayed as Batman in the late series and three consecutive movies, also received praise from President of Women's Rights Without Frontiers, Reggie Littlejohn, who admired his courage because of his condemnation of forced abortions in China. On November, November the 2nd, Littlejohn told LifeSite News that the terror of forced abortion is the purpose of the policy. See, in, in totalitarian governmental systems like the US, the EU for the whole of Europe, and China, uh, terror is what makes you obey. You live in a, f- a state of constant terror. Whether you're aware of it or not, you've come to the conscious conclusion that's what it is. It's actually terror, you see. He said, I believe that the Chinese Communist Party is keeping the population down politically through terror, and this is an instrument in keeping them in power. That's true enough. I don't think they will be abandoning the one-child policy anytime soon, little John said. She also noted that the Western governments have become complicit with forced abortion in China and there's funding of the United Nations Family Planning Fund and the International Planned Parenthood. Now, Planned Parenthood were the ones who ran through the rights of the child so they could eventually eliminate the sexual age of consent amongst children, right down to babies, by the way, because they're all pervs at Planned, Planned Parenthood. Oh, we understand they're utterly pervs. And I've read the article about them before, how far back they came out with this idea. I read it just a few days ago. Little John stresses that both organizations have been working hand-in-hand with the Chinese Communist Party for decades. 
Littlejohn's comments fly in the face of recent reports that seem to indicate the Chinese government is planning to reverse course on the decade-old policy. A Chinese think tank affiliated with the central government recently put out a report advocating a relaxation of China's one-child policy. I say what it is when you read it is that the better-off families in China can pay a fee or a fine to have a second child. The ones at the bottom can't. That's what it actually is. I read that last year. So anyway, they're trying to do the same thing for the West. It says, not only is such a two-child system being proposed for China, politicians now envision such a two-child policy for the West. Secretary of State for Work and Pensions in the UK, Mr. Ian Duncan Smith, recently proposed setting limits to the amount of children of low-income families that are allowed to, to produce. You have to cut your cloth in accordance with what capabilities and finances you have, he told BBC Radio 4 some days ago. My view is if you did this, you would start it for people who begin to have more than, say, two children. Not only is this UK uh, Secretary of State proposes limits on families exceeding their allowance on children, the EU envisages just such measures for the Eurozone, for the whole of Europe. A 2011 report, I'll put the links up tonight, funded by the European Commission and World Wildlife Fund, (laughs) models draconian population control measures, personal carbon taxes, government-controlled media, and the legalization of voluntary and assisted suicide in all EU countries. One of their scenarios states the following, it says this, Beginning in 2012, one of the measures taken to control population growth was to phase out child benefits for multi-children families. By 2020, benefits were only provided for up to a maximum of two children, it says. In 2010, Business Insider featured a post by geography professor Gary L. Peters under the header, Population Growth is Still the Biggest Problem Facing Humanity, after channeling armchair eugenicist Alan Wiseman, who stated the intelligent situation to the problem of population growth would require the courage and wisdom to put our knowledge to the test. It would henceforth limit every human female on earth capable of bearing children to one, the professor added. And they're really going at it, folks. But that's where he managed that child right through his whole life. Back with more after this. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. I'll tell you a caller, actually, has been hanging on. It's Don from San Diego, if he's still there. Are you there, Don? Yeah, I'm here. How you doing, Alan? Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. yeah, so I was just uh, looking at some news about riots over in Greece, and it got me thinking, what is the point of rioting? You know, and mm-hmm. the, the police and you know, all law enforcement, they're, they're part of the common, you know, masses as well, and and it's not like... You know, do, you, do you think any of the politicians give the care no. that people are rioting? Well, they're scared that the, the rioters will get to them. That's really what the police are there for, to stop them. And they actually encourage them to, to riot against the police rather than have the, the, the people coming after the ones who have got them in the hole in the first place. Yeah, Yeah. there's you know, this barrier of you know, the police between you know the politicians and, and the people, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just thinking there, you know, there's got to be a better, a better way, you know, to uh, get, you know, get to these politicians, and you know, not, not saying, you know, to take them out or something, but mm-hmm. you know, just 
going out on the streets and... Well, that, that's just it. You see, you either do something, protesting is pointless, because you're under totalitarian rule, you see. And uh, uh, all they've got left, really, is, is smashing things up and going against the one instrument of government that stands up for government. No, nobody else is standing up for Greek government except the cops, because they're getting well paid, you see. This is a standard ploy that's used by the elite, of course. And you'll see it in the States happening, too. It's definitely going to come to the States. And the States is well prepared for it, too, under Homeland Security. That's its main reason. But uh, that's all the public will see is the officials in the black outfits representing the elite. And you cannot get to the elite, of course. Even if you go anywhere near them, they take off in their private jets so quickly. Uh, they aren't going to sit around waiting for you to grab them. But the, the Greeks have got nothing left to do because you either starve to death or, or just or starve as you walk around with your placards saying, please give us back our system. And, uh, or, or, or else you do something about it. All they can do is simply riot. That's the bottom line in this system. There's no other way to get out of it, the system. You either lawfully starve to death, lawfully, legally, and, and or suicide yourself, you know, uh, um, or, or you, you riot. And most folk generally riot. That's the standard way in history. Yeah, yeah and then I, I was reading a book called Throw Them All Out, with Peter mm-hmm. Schweitzer, I think. Yeah. Uh, but basically, it was just illustrating, you know, how all these people that get into politics, you know, they're really just reaching their hand in the honeypot, as you say. Yeah. And just, you know, example after example, this guy is going through how the majority of the politicians, you know, Congress and the Senate, they're, you know, using their position you know, to make business deals to set yeah. themselves up, just mm-hmm. raking in. Uh, millions and um, you know it's not always in millions but just, you know they have way better luck than anyone in the stock market you know and, and of course sure. they say it's all ethical because if they have one person in the public then it's of the you know it's for the public good and so then it's okay and ethical uh-huh. see the only money there is for giant projects and they talked about this over a hundred years ago uh, for giant projects or big business who were, were not willing to risk their own cash on it uh, they, they made deals with government. This public-private idea came was even voiced 100 years ago. And so they get the public to pay for the big private businesses. And, um, and of course, uh, those who did get the contracts get the kickbacks. There's even articles in, in the Montreal Gazette right now about the kickbacks from, from all the big contracts that are handed out. Putin had the same problem with his uh, defense chief on kickbacks from big contracts. So... Politicians are by nature corrupt. They're already multi-millionaires, most of them, when they get in or they want to be. And the only big honey pot they can get their hands into is the public purse because there's less scrutiny over the public purse than anything else on the planet. So we live in an utterly corrupt system and we're told to get used to it. But thanks for calling. From Hamish myself, from Interior Canada, it's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.